Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Big welcome everyone. We have something very special in store for you today. We have Jack Mill. So big welcome to Jack. He's an award-winning communications coach and also an author of Virtual Presentation Mastery. And we're going to take some deep dive insights into both leadership, communication, and how to come across really well when you're presenting through Zoom or Zoom's equivalent, and how to do that with impact and with persuasion and with clarity and all of the things that we have to deal with when we are having meetings using Zoom or something similar. So a very big welcome to you, Ju- uh, very big welcome to you, Jack. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. And let's just start with a little bit about your background, because your background is actually a little bit different. So would you like to kick off and just tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, it's it's in comedy. So I started life working in comedy as a, as a comedy performer, writer and director, and then fell into, well, fell actually fell in, initially fell into stand-up workshops. So and I, I used to run improvisation. Shall I just tell this quick story? Yeah, please yeah. do. So I used to run comedy improvisation workshops and I've been doing this for a while. This was a long time ago. And then a venue said, Jack, we'd like you to run some stand up workshops. And at the time I said, well, I don't think you can teach stand up. You know, you're either funny or you're not. And uh, then they said, well, we'll pay you twice as much as normal. And I said, well, clearly you can teach stand up. And and, and I, found, I found I could really by doing three things. One was help people take away the stuff that got in the way. Second thing was to make sure sure it was fun and then give them some tools and techniques. And uh, there weren't many other people doing it at the time. And so quite quickly, I was working with the National Theatre Channel for people like that. And that in turn led to businesses picking up a leaflet from, say, a theatre and saying, that stand-up or that improvisation thing, could you do something similar for our analysts, say, doing presentations in the city? Uh, although we're not worried about them being funny, but we would like them to be a bit more energetic or whatever. And that's re- you know, that was 20, 25 years ago. And uh, the longer I've been doing it, actually, the more I've realised those skills are integral to not just uh, presenting, but just straightforward communication. A lot of those skills carry through. And I reckon about, it was about 10 years ago, I started working with uh, WebEx and Virgin Media in a sort of collaboration, just to start to get, start to thinking about not just the technical side of things, because they're really good at that. You know, the support functions you get on these, these, bits of these platforms it was the actual how do you talk to an audience how do you engage an audience in this slightly bizarre 2d world and try and make it a little bit more 3d and so yeah that's how i that's how i got started so i still do the comedy some of the comedy stuff more around comedy writing now 
Um, but yeah, I love doing this. It's such an interesting point, Jack. And it's awesome to have you on the podcast. So I imagine there's so many parallels between, you know, as we just said before we hit record, you know, just having gone to like a comedy performance, helping comedians, like, you know, as you say, as you do what you say, stand up and, and deliver their performance. And, you know, also whether that's like deliver a sales pitch or a presentation internally or whatever it might be over Zoom, you know, how you deliver that well with you know, Gravitas and uh, and so on. So I'm really interested to hear, you know, what you what you got to say on the on the podcast today. Um, but just to sort of take a step back, I was going a slightly different direction for a second. Just before we hit record, you you started to tell us, you know, kind of your sort of three sort of key points around, around leadership and, and what that means to you. Um, so I'd like, love to kind of just dive back into that section. If you could just sort of, you know, tell us a bit more uh, about that, please. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, yes, I was I was talking actually with a, uh, a client out in the Middle East and he said, I, I want to get my C-suite leaders on this on this program. Mm-hmm. I need to sell it to them. And I said, well, I think I, I think when it comes to leadership, you need essentially three big qualities. The first one is you need to, you need to have a vision. You need to have a story you want to tell to take people on a journey. And the second thing is you need to be able to create, as some people call it, fellowship. So in other words, the desire to follow and to take part, to participate. And the third thing you need is you need to be able to actually present that, communicate those qualities across to your team or colleagues or whoever uh, basically work for you. And um, if you can't do that, then it makes the other parts almost impossible. Yeah, and we've seen this, you know, and this is not casting aspersions, but we've seen this in, in government not so long ago. You know, where it doesn't, you know, it may have been, who knows, it may have been actually, dare I say, a good idea, some parts of it anyway. But it was, in my view, it was the way it was communicated, the way the story was told, not just externally to the markets and voters, but internally, clearly, something really bad went wrong uh, and was presented clearly in a way way that uh, didn't land. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. For sure. And I, I, I'm really curious to sort of explore your thoughts around the the whole communication side of things because I was just reading a book. I've read it before, but I started reading it again. Um, we'll never split the difference, which you you may have read or you may have come across. Um, it's a book written by a guy called Chris Voss, who was uh, like a, used to be a, he- a hostage negotiator of the FBI. Oh and yeah. A section in there about um, kind of communication about you know how we have like you know verbal communication. I think called like paraverbal, which is like how you say it, and then like your you know your nonverbal communication around like your body language and, and so on, and kind of you know how important each of those different aspects are. You know, you know what you say is really only such a small sliver of the message that you're ultimately conveying. Mm. Um, so yeah, let's can we perhaps we can dive into a bit more on that communication side of things. I'm really sort of curious to hear your thoughts on it and kind of how you approach that with the you know the, the customers that you work with. Yeah, well, I think, you know, what you're talking about there on the body language side of things is one of the massive challenges when it comes to Zoom or Teams. Uh, So, you know, it's it's a challenge if you're a presenter and no one turns their camera on. And we can talk about that later, about the challenges around that, you know, where you just can't see anyone. Mm. Yeah. And it's 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 also it's it's a. It's a challenge even when people do have their cameras on in in trying to read the audience. So I've been 
working with people face to face a lot more over the last few weeks. And yeah, of course, it's much easier. You're in a space. You can pick up on people's body languages as their their looks or whatever. And even if you sometimes pick up the wrong the wrong hint, you're still there's still communication going on there. While in virtual, we just we just don't have that. Um, so if I could maybe if I could actually just take you through some thoughts on connecting with the camera, which might lead us to the challenge of reading an audience. Would that be helpful? Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. So I think an awful lot of presenters now who have been doing virtual for the last two, three years are aware that we need to try and look into the camera. Yeah, there's that thing of I really should look into the camera. I'll, I'll try and demonstrate the difference to anyone. Anyone who's does anyone going to see this on Zoom, by the way, or uh, it's more likely to be audio, but there could be some visual as well. Some. Okay, well, let's. Uh, we're going to have to use the power of radio imaginations here, folks. So, uh, I'm I'm now making our window much bigger, and I'm just moving it down. So I want you to imagine we've got a Zoom window with about fifteen faces on it. Now. I'm going to make eye contact here with Callan. So I've moved Callan down to a corner of my screen. And that's often the case, isn't it? In Teams or Zoom, you've got faces all over your screen. So in my, my book now, I've got Callan in the left-hand corner of my screen. I'm making eye contact with Callan. And this feels normal. It feels like I can chat to you. I'm connecting with you. And that feels natural. But when I... There's a huge difference when I move my eyes from making eye contact in my head with Callan to actually looking into the camera lens. I can confirm. Yeah, you were definitely not looking at my eyes prior to that. And you sure are now. Yeah. 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 And suddenly you feel like you have that connection. So I think a lot of us as leaders, presenters, working in this virtual environment, understand the need to look into the camera. Yeah, because it does make a huge difference. But the challenge becomes is, well, you know, we start off with best intent. And then after about 20 seconds, we go, oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I can't see Rebecca. I can't see Callan. can't read their body language. I'm going to just drop my eyes. And then we forget about it. And then occasionally we might remember, but mostly we forget about it. So what, what we need to do is find a way that we can look into the lens, but also, also see people's body language at the same time. And this is crucial. So I've got three little tips for you, anyone listening to this, of how we can do that. And first one is so simple, is make your Teams or Zoom window, you know the window that you've got your platform in, make that as small as you can, and then move it up really simple just move it up near the camera camera lens so now callan mm -hmm. i'm actually looking into your eyes and that should that should be good that should look like i'm looking into the camera yeah looks pretty much like you're looking looking directly at me yeah yeah and now we can talk away and as far as you're concerned i'm looking at you etc etc so that works really that works really well sometimes what you need is also a reminder to actually look that way. So the second thing is get yourself a little uh, post-it note or photograph of a loved one, put a bit of blue tack on it. And then just, uh, so I used to use the photograph of my wife here. Um, and then 
put it behind the camera, put the little post-it or a smiley face, a smiley face on your post-it note, I should have said that, put it behind the camera, and then that pulls your focus towards the camera. And then the third thing is you, you don't need to do it all the time. So what I tend to do is when I'm talking to my audience, I will look at the camera. And when I want to read, I want to, when other people are talking, I just allow my eyes to wander around the screen, et cetera. And I think we all, you know, we all know we're not TV presenters, but you need that. You need to remember that the, you want to make eye contact with the audience in virtual, you need to look into the lens. Um, so is that, is that, um, I thought, you know, one of the one of the challenges, certainly with a lot of my the people I, I work with, is that thing of, yeah, it's okay, Jacks, to say, look into the lens. But really, is that really going to happen halfway through, you know, a chat mm. presentation? Yeah, I think it's, it, it's a, such a great point, Jack. And the other thing I'd like to ask you about on that note is how your energy comes across when you're talking virtually like this yeah, yeah. I almost feel that you have to amplify your energy a little bit otherwise you come across as very low energy yeah. even though it might be that level of energy when you're meeting in person it's, it feels like it gets diluted a bit in between screens what's your view on that yeah well I, no I couldn't agree more it's, it's a really weird thing that happens isn't it because I see I see a lot of this where I'll, I'll, I'll do a quick demonstration I'll just do it vocally where somebody will start presenting, they'll say something like, uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to our, just a moment, I'll just move my slides. Uh, welcome to our presentation. I'm super excited about this. We're really passionate about this project moving moving forward. Here we go. Uh, and, and, and on and on it goes. And that's not because they're boring or anything. It's just because it feels so weird putting energy into a piece of glass and plastic but you but you have to do it you really do I um I think when last time we spoke Rebecca you said you know it's adding that 10 percent or 20 percent extra and yeah. it really it really is that I mean there's a small percentage of people who really don't need to add any more energy yeah but but for 90 percent of us you need to up the energy and if you're not sure sometimes people say to me, oh yes yeah, all very well but it feels a bit inauthentic because i feel really uncomfortable talking to a camera so the authentic for me is to sound basically uncomfortable and awkward uh is if you're not sure run it past a colleague and say look i normally present it like this as though i'm about about to die or or um or i could present it like this with energy and intent and a bit of passion which works better for you yeah and if they say actually we prefer the really dull one then fair enough but probably they won't <laughs> probably not no no it's such an interesting point because i've been on a number of so i work in sales and a lot of our calls are recorded so we can go back and watch them and you know see how they went and, and learn from them and so on and quite often if i watch a call of myself back i will be at that point where I felt like when I was delivering it I feel quite upbeat I feel like quite you know excited about it and, and so on and I listen to it back sometimes and I think bloody hell like that sounded like you were bored out of your mind I'm like Jesus Christ Callum like be a bit more excited <laughs> but the funny thing is when you're delivering it you feel quite you know excited happy and upbeat and yeah, so yeah. On. you feel like you're you know kind of conveying it with um, enthusiasm and, and whatnot 
Um, but I think, you know, sometimes, as you say, as you maybe just get a bit fatigued or a bit weirded out by presenting it to basically a screen, that can kind of like start to trickle off. Um, so I yeah, definitely, I completely agree with your point. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's particularly if you're doing it for a while and, and you've got no faces up there, you can't yeah. feel, is anyone there? I um, think, sorry, I was just going to say, what I think can also be a bit strange is when you're not necessarily doing it to uh, like a small, like you're not just doing it to one other person or two, two or three people. If you're presenting to like a group where, yeah. you know, you've got like 20, 30 people and they're all on mute. So you get no kind of audio or really even visual feedback as well i think that can be even harder yeah yeah no it it it, it, it's undoubtedly not not easy when you've got that sort of sort of audience i think that one of the tricks though in in that situation is to fake if you like that it's still a conversation and that you're still asking questions Mm. it's okay to you know so sometimes i say i'll say to so if your listeners could if your listeners listening at the moment uh, well they will be is say something like um, i say to my clients so does anyone here know what they're going to have for dinner tonight there's a little moment and then you can see them all eyes open lighting up i say no anyone know what they're having for dinner tonight and then suddenly you can see this pizzazz of engagement and it's not just because I'm talking about dinner. It's because I've asked a question and I've put the presentation in their world. So one of the, sim I mean, I know people know this, but it's just great to be reminded. You're talking to that big audience is still, still make it conversational and still ask those questions. But you just have to answer them yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, you're not, you know, you can't go, oh, well, I'm not going to say anything. Or yeah, yeah. Hour, unless anyone you know you just answer the question or yeah. make it a rhetorical question yeah one of the things that you talk about and i've looked at your website one of the things that you say is really important is using stories to help captivate i guess your audience rather than just have your audience engage with you so i'd love to explore that with you jack captivation versus engagement and the importance of storytelling absolutely um if if there's one moment when i'll say to people you know i've been doing this for 25 years do this one thing believe me do this it's stories using stories you know they are the gold um and sometimes it's using an example it's one of the best best ways of illustrating so do you mind if i share a quick yeah. I would expect nothing else than the story. Oh, no, right there. <laughs> like, no, don't, don't tell the story, please don't. Um, but is I was working. This is this was a virtual pitch. Working with a couple of lead creatives in an agency, and they had a big pitch to a migratory telecom. So you know, if you arrive in the UK, you can't use your old uh, SIM card. You have to get a, a migratory one, and the client said the the creative said our biggest challenge here is that their advertising is really cheap yeah and we want to move them up market and actually we want to move i'm not giving anything away here we want to move the whole brand up market and start getting them to behave like o2 and virgin and vodafone that sort of thing so i said well we need a we need a story uh an analogy something and, and one of them 
instantly went, I've got it, I've got it. Because when I was 10 years old, I lived in Scotland. And I came down to London for the weekend to spend it with my uncle. And on Saturday, he was showing me the sights. And about midday, I was desperate for a pee. And so my, my uncle, we were walking past the Landmark Hotel at the time, one of the poshest hotels. And my uncle said, well, go in there, go and have a pee in the hotel. He said, I can't go in there. I'm not staying there. It'll be so embarrassing. He said, no, just go in there, behave as though you're staying at the hotel and just go up to someone and say, you know, where's the toilets? I'll show you the toilets. Job done. So he said, anyway, I went in, had my pee, came out and I was so nervous. I was shaking. But I sort of learned a big life lesson. And he's, then he said, then I'm going to turn it around to the client, tell that story, turn it around to the client and say, that's what we want to do to you. We want to metaphorically take you into the landmark hotel, start behaving as though you're supposed to be there. So start behaving like Vodafone and those big brands and go and have a pee at the landmark hotel. And anyway, a, a few weeks later, I phoned them up and see how it had gone. And they said, oh, oh, we, we have to do pitch again because they redrew the brief as a result of our first pitch. And they said, we knew we'd won as we went into the room for the pitch because they said at, at boardroom level now, we talk about the need to have a pee at the Landmark Hotel. And so that I think that's a great example of the power of stories. So when we use stories, they're the things that people remember. That's the gold that you will grab onto. And a year, a year's hence, you will go, oh, yes, I remember you because of blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, so if you're going into a big presentation, it, actually the best presenters are all storytellers they are really are I've, I've worked without going going over the top i've worked with you know honestly some of the world's been lucky enough to work with some of the world's top keynote speakers and they all have that one thing in common they just essentially storytellers and your neck you know if you've got a presentation coming up tomorrow think how can i add a story somewhere ideally several stories but you know a story somewhere to for instance to illustrate a point or to grab an audience at the beginning it's got to be relevant to what you're talking about but it can be you know the human analogies they are incredibly powerful it could just be an example it'll still bring it to life just don't make it too long uh you know because the story that you tell your mates in a pub probably is too long if you're doing a boardroom yeah so don't do that keep it Keep it succinct and then make sure your bridge from your story across to the point you're making is unbelievably clear. That's crucial. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Stories, stories, just stories, really. And do you think, Jack, that is what will captivate the audience rather than just engage the audience? Oh, yes. Thank you. I, it, and that's yes, captivate, captivate. So, uh, you know, if you if you putting together a face to face presentation, ideally, we all want to engage our audience. Yes, that's what I want to do. We, we one of the things our goals. I want to engage them. Yeah. And likewise, actually, if you're putting together a virtual presentation, online presentation, you say I want to engage them. Yeah, who doesn't want to engage? I want to engage them. And if you have that as part of your as I say, one of your goals for the presentation, fantastic. But in virtual, I think that's not enough. You actually want to captivate, aim to captivate your audience. So if you, as a leader, you're thinking, right, I've got my 
uh, annual my it's the my annual conference presentation. I'm doing it online, putting it together. As you're putting it together, say to yourself, right, I'm going to try and captivate. And yeah, of course, captivate is much, much harder, much, much harder than just merely engaging. But if you aim for captivate, I'm going to try and captivate them. What's that mean? What's that going to look like? going to be more interactive isn't it it's going to be it's going to have stories and it's going to have a bit of humor in it you're going to do things that surprise your audience because you're going to have to captivate them if you aim for that you're definitely going to engage them yes it's harder but then in this bizarre 2d world yeah you, you don't have really have a choice because i can guarantee you so i'm going, going off on one now i can guarantee you that your your audience when you do your presentation, they haven't all arrived mentally half an hour beforehand. Going, oh, fantastic. It's the CEO speaking today. It's the big one. I'm going to make sure I've just got my notepad. I'm going to be one. No, they've been doing something else literally till one minute before your talk. Yeah. Then they click on the link, get through and. And they'll do a bit, and if you know, if they've got the cameras on, they'll do a bit of nodding as they finish off the emails. Yeah, oh, I'm listening. Oh, yeah. Do that nod thing. Yeah. Or leave their camera off, leave their camera off, mute themselves and finish smiling or whatever. And then they join you mentally about 10 minutes in. And then before you finish, you're finishing off with these are my three key action points I want us to do. And already they're zoning out because they're going, oh, yeah, I need to catch up on that email. So what you need to do is literally in that first two, three minutes, first minute, captivate them, give them massive value, do something that gets them to participate and, yeah, aim for captivate. What's your best example of captivation? Best example of captivation? Um, just I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking through. Uh, so. Hmm? I was going to say, whilst you're thinking, if it helps, I was thinking, because I was just thinking about what you were saying. And I find when I join a Zoom call, like generally what people tend to do for the first like two, three, five, maybe up to 10 minutes is like do a bit of small talk, right? It's like, how are you? What have you been up to? How should they be? Like that kind of thing. Even when you're on a sales call, people tend to do that for the first like at least two or three yeah. minutes. Um, so anyway, turn back to you. I'm quite, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think. No, no, Cal, I think, and I think that that side of things is really important as well is to create that human that human connection, that bit of banter is, is super important because very often in virtual, we concertina everything to much shorter, going, oh, no, no, that's a, that's a waste of time and blah, blah, blah. It's really important, uh, that rapport building stuff going on. Uh, but some, some examples. Well, um, one of the best speakers I've, I've worked with, uh, and I think he's the best-selling future speaker in the, in the world, is a guy called Mark Stevenson. And I, I, I'd say this, not saying do this, but this is an example of captivating an audience. He tries to change the room, the atmosphere and the makeup of the room in the first two minutes. So in other words, tell people normal rules don't apply here because I want to tell you some massive truths that are going to be a bit scary, but I also want to make you laugh. And so he will deliberately swear in the first minute now I don't as I say I'm not saying I advise people to do that I don't want people to lose their job but <laughs> oh he said swear oh I've lost my job um I don't want that to happen but I 
it's an example of, for instance, something I call, I call them the 10 kapows, 10 different ways of grabbing an audience. And uh, all of those, all those 10 kapows. Can I mention book? Yeah. Your book. My book. Yes, yes, of course, yeah. yeah virtual, so virtual present in my book, Virtual Presentation Mastery, I go through those 10 techniques of how you can how you can really grab an audience. But a, a really simple technique that anyone can do to create that cap, captivate their audience is say something like, okay, everyone, I want you to grab a piece of paper now. Okay, I'll grab a piece of paper. You want me to grab more? Oh, I'll grab a piece of paper. Good. Right, I'm going to be talking about this. I want you to write down now the one thing you want to get from this. Write it down right now. Write it down. Get on a piece of paper. Write it down. They all write it down on a piece of paper. Okay, have you written something down on a piece of paper? Everyone, give you a thumbs up. Yes, good. Okay, can you now share those in chat or if you're using one of those supportive apps like Slido or Mentis, share it in that, but share it. Go on, share it in. And so your introverts have had that little moment where they can, you know, you have a bit of quiet and think and write it down. You go, okay, I'll share it now in chat. They share it in chat, share it in chat, share it so we can all. And suddenly you as present for a load of data, fantastic data of what people are wanting to get. So I've seen this work incredibly effectively. And your audience now feel part of the presentation and the science says that you know if you can do that in the first five minutes they are far far more likely to stay not just engaged but be you know they're going to be more they're going to cap you're going to captivate them and pull them in for those first few minutes and they're far more likely to stay engaged for the rest of the presentation do you think jack that's because they have then made they've engaged in the process um, of helping they've engaged in that process they've yeah they're not just listening they're engaging that's not the right word is it they've actually made a contribution to it made, that's it they're actively contributing to yeah. the session and that is the key it's actively contributing you want you want really three things you want passionate engaged uh delivery with intent you need to get them and you need to provide value so you need to share the so, answer the so what in that first few minutes. So they go, oh, actually, you know what? This really matters. Yeah. It's crystal clear and keep saying it. And then the third thing you need is you get them actively contributing early on and keep them contributing. This is particularly important in virtual. And then, then you've got value. Well, who doesn't want value? Yeah, you've yeah. got energy. We all love energy, passion, share, sharing your truth. And yeah, it's, you're far, far more likely to stay, have them stay engaged for the rest of the, the call. I, I think on top of that as well, I don't know what you think of this, Jack, but I think almost as well, it's almost like the outcome of that presentation is kind of tied in with what their idea for that presentation was in the first place. So it's like, oh, I, from this, I want to get X, Y, and Z. So it's kind of it alluded to the fact that that's what the outcome of that presentation is going to be focused around. So it's almost like, well, that was my idea. And people, people as we know, people are more invested in something when it's their own idea and on top of that I think they there's like a an aspect of well I've kind of now controlled I've got some control over to what this presentation is now about so it's almost like they're kind of as along with that they're sort of more invested in it as a result of those two things I don't know if you what your thoughts are on that yeah no I, I couldn't agree more 
I think when they're they've when they've invested in it, as you've said, you know, they've they put out their pennies worth. <laughs> you've responded to it by picking out some of those or ones that sound similar. And you've said, look, I'm going to try and cover those off or let's see if those wants have been answered at the end. And also you've, you know, the presenter is being vulnerable in sharing that, or they should have an element of vulnerability in sharing their truth. And you've done the same. You know, there is an element of vulnerability in saying, actually, I want this. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, you've, the presenter has said, look, I believe this is something worth saying. Yeah, I, I, I believe this is something worth saying. So by responding, just the nature of responding, you're saying, yeah, okay. I agree. It's something worth listening to and something worth getting involved in. And I'm going to I'm going to share that. And I think it's also a sign of a a very healthy culture. If you have. People willing and wanting to contribute and and not feeling frightened, feeling like, yeah, I can I can share what I'd like to get from this. And it's not like the whole room is going to go. Oh, I don't believe it. Yes. Yeah. What a fool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a a culture where people feel safe to say what they what they want mean to say and feel able to do so without yeah. recrimination or fear or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, and I guess you would know you've got something wrong as a presenter if your audience, you know, you're the boss and your audience comes back with, "Oh, whatever you say is brilliant. We just love it." Just <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry <Yeah. laughs> for you. You're amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what we want to hear as a, as a leader. Yeah. So one other thing I'd like to hear your thoughts on, Jack, as we've, we've kind of touched on um, sort of like how you say something. So, you know, being sort of like that 10, 20%, you know, more enthusiastic or upbeat or energetic, whatever it might be. We've talked about kind of like looking at the camera specifically to make the eye contact. What are the sort of like the rest of your thoughts around kind of body language and things like that over a Zoom call? Because I find, you know, quite often like me personally, I tend to sit down when I'm delivering my sort of pitches or conversations with prospects and clients. But, you know, we hear a lot of people sort of talk, talk about, you know, standing up a bit like, you know, smile when you dial and, and things like that. So you sort of feel more confident or, um, you know, you're able to like impart more energy into the presentation. So what, what are your kind of thoughts around, you know, like standing up on Zoom and sort of things like that? Well, I, I think I think standing up is hugely important, is, is, is hugely important. I'm not standing up if anyone's watching this on Zoom at the moment, partly because I got a sore back. Uh, so that's my excuse. So it get after about 10 minutes, it's like, oh, uh, but yeah, ideally you want to be you want to be standing, standing from it's part from anything else is good for you. Yeah. And it, you will naturally put that extra 10 percent energy in uh, but i also think just your body language full stop can make it can make a difference so you know sometimes i say to people okay i want you to imagine a scale of confidence this is about body language a scale of confidence from one to five in which one is very very shy and timid and five is super arrogant and three is normal and then i get people to to stand or sit at status one and of course everyone becomes smaller at that and makes themselves crunches themselves in I say okay what's that doing to your voice let's make it very tight very oh all right now at status five what do you do you open yourself up you make yourself big and what's that do to your voice it's going to have more power more emphasis 
And how do you look? Look at yourself now on the screens. What do you see? And sometimes people lean deliberately close to the camera, which gives them more impact. You're taking up a bit more space. You look more relaxed. You look like you want to be there. The only thing is, who wants to work with somebody who's super arrogant, status five? Well, yeah, well, very, very few of us, you know, occasionally go, oh, I love that sort of person. But most of us don't. Yeah. So the actual ideal level is if, if you think body language wise, go for status four. So that's more confident than normal, but not super arrogant. So you're sitting up, you're taking up more space. It's more of you, less of your background. And your shoulders are back a bit. And you've just got that, you know, you start feeling better about yourself. I'm very tempted to ask you how we're doing, but we'll do that afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one, oh, oh, yeah, you're you're doing brilliant. You know, super, super cool. Um, but I will also just one thing is on the body language. Uh, oh, can I tell you a little real, real moment that was happening here? Yeah, somebody was con trying to contact me on Facebook. Uh, it's not Facebook, Face FaceTime, and I had to. I forgot to turn off. Anyway, back to this: is get your eyes level with the camera. So I see so many people. You know, they've got the laptop on their desk, and of course, when you look down a laptop or an iPad, is you are you're looking down. It looks very peculiar. You sort of mm. look at people's nostrils as an audience. Or I see, you know, sometimes you see people. They've got the camera way up there or they've got the faces of the audience up there and they're sort of their heads are up looking up and it's just again odd so eyes level with the camera will automatically enhance your calls 10 percent just doing that one simple thing so raise your laptop or lower it usually it's raise it get your eyes level with the camera for sure i think uh, the other odd one that i found a few times is when people have their screen where it's presenting in front of them but they have the camera over here Oh yeah. So they're like they they think they're looking at you like you did earlier on. And for for everyone who's listening, the the camera is like you know like thirty degrees to their left or whatever. So the camera is actually looking at the side of them. So it doesn't it looks like you're on Zoom. You're not actually looking at them at all. You're just looking in a completely different direction, which I think is often quite a funny one. It is a, it is a bizarre one, isn't it? The profile. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like no, I'm actually over here, but yeah. Oh, I'm just looking at my screen over here. I actually had a, I was chatting to a mate the other day who was doing that thing. He was look, doing it in profile. And I said, oh, have you got your camera? You know, have you got your face? Is my face over here? And he went, no, no, Jack. I'm just looking out my window at the trees. Admiring the trees. It's nothing to do with you at all. So anyway, so sometimes it can be just that they're more interested in something else. But ideally, ideally, yeah, you want to be looking at the camera. Yeah. Exactly. So I guess as we sort of come towards the the the, the latter stages of the, the podcast here, Jack, what would be if you had to kind of like boil it down into sort of three core tips that people can go away and kind of implement into their like internal Zoom calls or you know their meetings where they're in a bit of a leadership position or whatever it might be to just kind of convey, you know, come across better, more enthusiastic, more energetic. What would be your sort of three kind of core tips that people can start doing tomorrow? Okay. Uh number one, number one is and this is for all presenting. Mm -hmm. But you tell your story, tell stories. Tell stories. It is, it is the gold in almost all industries and all presentations. Yeah, and you will start to animate your presentation naturally. Second thing is uh, do it with energy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need actually you need more energy than in face to face. And and the third thing is uh, don't read out your presentation. Yeah, because it's we're all all of us deep down inside we like to control we like things to control our environment etc etc and in virtual it i don't know about you callan but i see the amount of people who've got they've got their scripts all around the 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 camera now having your bullet points or things you want to say or ask or whatever that's cool having that around the camera yeah so little things little reminders little post-it notes or whatever but not your script the amount of times you know you see people you're thinking do you believe any of this <laughs> yeah and, and and you can see their eyes you can see their eyes literally going left to right left to right as they go down and there we are so as i say we're super excited about meeting you etc etc and then yeah and uh create a culture where cameras on is seen as cool but you also understand you really take seriously Zoom fatigue because it's a real thing and it really it's a real problem. And part of the solution is is finding t- opportunities for people to have cameras off. So you want to buy get people to buy into cameras on, but also be, I guess, it's aware of the mental health challenges around having cameras on all the time so it's encouraging people to space out their zoom calls so it's not back to back is is a killer and also uh you know not trying too hard so i'm going off on one now and i'm realizing a problem might be overrunning but not not uh you don't don't try to read body language it sounds odd to say that in this when you've got, I don't know, 15 faces on the screen and as a human being, you're going, okay, body language, body language, naturally. Mm. And now in, if we three of us were in having a coffee together, I suspect that there would, we'd spend very little time worrying about each other's body language or thinking about our own. We just, we just chat. Mm. But in virtual, we spend a lot of time over focusing on the body language and that actually causes huge strain and and no really does and it's um you know there's some science around it and um women are much better at reading body language than men just scientifically they're just miles better at it i'm sorry callum um my my wife will say well tell me something i don't know but um but that also comes with a downside on virtual in that women are more likely to try harder because they get more from it and they are more aware and so you just have you an awareness of that is going to be really useful culturally for your virtual calls and i say this realizing now that culturally i'm also breaking one of my rules which is don't go on too long uh no when to shut up is another one (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you've shared so much with us and it'll be your opportunity in just a moment to say how people can get in touch with you or have your book or any exciting project that you're working on. But just on that note that you've just shared with us about trying to read body language, 
I am very conscious of that. And I was on a webinar recently and I was hosting the webinar and I could see some of the people around me and one person was deadpan all the way through. And all I could think to myself was, oh my goodness, it's just not enjoying this, this session. <laughs> and it was like a little, you know, gnawing away in my brain. I, mean, I was thinking, what am I doing wrong? He's not enjoying it. But that actually wasn't the case. But I spent, I wasted energy thinking, he's not enjoying this. Mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. Classic example of what you're saying here. I spent time thinking, what can I do to make it better? <laughs> and, and, and you just don't, yeah, as you say, you just can't, you really no. can't tell because uh, a friend of mine runs body, he's a brilliant body language coach. And uh, he said, Jack, I use a thing of uh, maybe. So I look at an audience and they all look super excited. And I think they love me, maybe. Yeah. Or I see someone who's got their arms folded and they're looking down and I think, oh, they, they really loathe me. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And he said, that's a, and it is a really good thing because you just don't know. You don't know. And his feedback afterwards was really positive. And I thought, oh, my goodness, why did I waste my time worrying about it? <laughs> he loved it. Yeah. So you just don't know. Yeah. So tell us what you're up to, Jack, how people can get in touch with you, um, anything that you'd like to share with our audience. Oh, thank you. Thank, firstly, thank you for inviting me along. I've loved uh, seeing you both this evening and working with you. Um, so to get in touch with me, uh, go to my website, standupanddeliver.co.uk. That's one, one avenue in. Uh, so give me a call, send me an email. But also, uh, you can find my book on Amazon and you can get it on Kindle. Uh, if you've got Kindle Unlimited, you can get it for free at the moment. Hey, hey. Uh, or you can order order a physical copy through there and you can get it abroad. So if anyone's listening to this uh, outside the UK, uh, you can get it in the States. You can get it in most countries in Europe as well. So, uh, yeah, easy to get hold of. And also you get. If you go to my website, you can also get onto the online How to Become a Virtual Presentation Star, uh, which is on special offer at the moment. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much for being our guest, Jack. It's been fantastic to hear your tips. And um, we all can take so much from what you've shared with us to become much better and more captivating, captivate our audience more in the future. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, that's been awesome sorry i was to say it's been awesome to have you on and uh, yeah i think you've shared like some really you know crucial points that, like people can yeah. go away and like implement straight away i know tomorrow or whatever calls i've got going on tomorrow i'm going to see if i can tell a story in some of these <laughs> <laughs> as well. so uh, yeah no, i really appreciate you being on jack and um yeah it's been awesome to talk with you so thank you very much thank you both so much really enjoyed it thank you thank you for listening to our podcast and as always if you enjoyed it we welcome a review and if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rjen.co.uk rjen, website.